Yes, maybe a nice piece of fish would be delightful for dinner this evening, darling. Hmm, yes, I'll pick up some Merlot. Great. Well, here comes Nigel, the sound man. I think he might be a bit daft. Talk to you later. Love and kisses. Good afternoon, Nigel. Yes, sir. Nigel. Yes, sir. We've got, uh, some moving parts today that I'd like to discuss with you before Mortimer gets here. Yes, sir. Mortimer's going to start our show off today by introducing a musical track, so we'll have to get that queued up. Yes, sir. Right. Here comes Mortimer now. Let's play the music now, Mortimer, whenever you're ready. Okay, Douglas.
Mortimer Page, out the cage, on the stage, all the rage. Careful, Mortimer, you just listened to the track set in stone by the the scintillating Welsh band Climbing Trees and their track set in stone off their Borders album. This is Mortimer Page, Out the Cage. Right, thank you, Mortimer. Today's program of Booksmart with your host, Douglas Day, will return to a reading of Hard Water by Mr. Christopher Ross. A few comments about chapter one and two, which he read last week. Mr. Ross, how are you today, first of all? I'm good, Douglas. How are you doing? Well, well, well. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Mortimer and I were discussing chapters one and two, and Mortimer actually brought up the idea of the preponderance of the word cotton in those first two chapters. Would you like to expand on that? Well, yeah. In my reading of um, the Civil War, it was hard not to come across some essays on the uh, the influence of cotton and how it was in some ways responsible for the continued exploitation of the slaves through the plantation system. So in other words, without cotton, would there have been a civil war? The The other thing I like about it is that it's, um, well, it's a symbol, isn't it? Yeah, it's a symbol. And when I uh, taught high school English, I always loved to to have the kids think about the idea that a symbol could be one thing, but it could also be its opposite. So in the text itself, you have cotton as as being well, it's it's her nightdress. Yeah, and um, and it's soft, right? So it's soft, and you know, and and the days today or contemporary times we think of cotton as something comfortable to wear but at the same time you have this idea of purity as you said softness but the opposite of that the the dastardly reality of cotton as being responsible for such horror of exploitation and ultimately the war hmm i see well, Mr. Ross, we'll keep our eye on that uh, cotton as a, a symbol, a symbol of both purity on one side and, and its opposite, impurity, lightness on one side, darkness on the other. Yeah, that's right, Douglas. Okay, Mr. Ross, why don't you go ahead and, and crack on and uh, read, read chapter three and four today. Uh, could you set up the chapters for us, please? Yeah, chapter three is simply Arthur saying goodbye to his mother, and chapter four, which is a bit longer, is his experience in boot camp. Right. This is Mr. Christopher Ross reading chapters three and four from part one of his novel, Hard Water. You've done your mother proud and will continue to do so as you march off into the wild blue yonder with your musket hanging over your shoulder. Keep your powder dry, son. Keep your powder dry. Connect yourself to what is good and right and holy. Even in death you will be alive. Do not begrudge your brother for shooting at you. He's on the other side of the conundrum. Not his fault, 
not your fault, just is. Listen to that rain, pelt that lilac, boy. Hmm. This rabbit is good, a sense of the sublime about it, the way you perfectly browned and salted the crimson flesh. You are going to make friends with your cooking skills, and just make sure you keep your powder dry. And just so you know, I told your brother the same thing in a letter. I absolved him from shooting at you. I absolved him from believing and living according to the tenets of the Confederates. I absolved your brother of living according to the tenets of the other side, the losing side, for far as I'm concerned, and gave him my blessing much as I give my blessings to you. You who shall spill blood and be bloody. Hard to admit it, but the God's honest truth. I have to. Believe it, accept it, yes, it's true. God works in mysterious ways, son. Your pa often said that. Said trouble comes in threes. And we as a family have lived that tenet thrice, I reckon. With your sister going early. With your pa's untimely departure. And now this, your own leave taking. Fast now upon us as we share this holy meal. But what you'll do and what you'll see, I'll be with you, boy. This farm will be with you, your peach orchard, blooming and blessing us with fruit. You'll make a fine soldier, son, because you're such a good boy. And when I come back, Ruth and me will get hitched and we'll throw a barn dance at the Shadow Brook. And nothing and nobody will tear us asunder and you'll be fine, Mama. Pshaw, maybe Ruth will move in with you. I think she will keep the loneliness away. It's about time to take my leave. Recheck my bindle, my boots, my socks. Here, on the 1st of September, year of our Lord, 1862. Finally ready to enter into manhood, I guess. Reporting for active duty. That's me. Chapter 4 First thing I'm going to tell you, boys, is that there is no human solution. Let me say that again. There is no human solution. We got ourselves a mess and we got to do our level best to clean it up. We got to drink the hard water of life, love, death, and forgiveness. It don't come down to nothing more than that, people. Life is hard. Life ain't easy. God above calls us when our numbers is up. God above requests of us certain inalienable duties while we're down here. Duties to our wives, children, parents, neighbors, comrades, enemies, and countries. Your duty, gentlemen, is to keep your powder dry and to kill efficiently. We are not here to inflict sufferings of uneasy deaths upon our misguided brethren. We are here to dispatch of their lives with a single shot, a single thrust, a single one-way ticket from here to the moon. It's us against them, gentlemen. Make no mistake about it. Whiz, bang, zephyrs whistling through the air, coming at your hearts, heads, loins and groins, legs, thighs, trunks, bellies, guts. It's all but unfeeling hunks of lead, boys, sent across from holy hell, set loose with a spark and flame. Once you drink the hard water of death's dark door, once you spent your hours stacking limbs, oh boys, I hate to tell you, you know I do, of the horror. You'll see, hear, smell, tell, but that's my job to dunk your skulls in the depths of hard water so you can get a taste. Let us pray. God Almighty, this new batch of boys comes to you now to drink the hard water and to make peace with the fact 
that there is no human solution, that our time, our tribulations, our efforts, our strivings are but a recrudescence of our own piddly, petty, pissant desires. Our desires, Lord, please free us from our desires. These boys who must are beholden to kill, 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 and shoot. Watch over them. Sear their flesh with the healing heat of holy glory. If they must die, let them die with dignity and the ever-knowing knowledge that their lives have not been lived in vain, that their human connections to siblings, parents, aunts, uncles, children, wives, lovers, and friends will be honored in your name. Good, bad, in-between, happiness, doubt, pain, death. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Amen. Rise up, man. Shake your arms out. Shake your legs out. Socks, boys. Socks. One of your most important possessions. Keep them high and dry. Knives. Bayonets. If you are to be caught behind enemy lines, do one thing and do it fast. Find a water supply. Hole up by a stream. Ideally, you'd be a sitting duck by a pond. And keep hydrated. You can't last more than three days without water. Love your brother as yourself. Let's see, what else do I have to tell you before you shove off for hell's green acres? Love your brother as yourself. Remember the golden rule. Respect your opponents. No eye gouging. Thrust thus wise with your bayonets. Quick, sharp, jab, in and out, quickly, efficiently. Question, do some uh, do some like to twist as they jab? Is that all right, mister? That's staff sergeant to you, son. And yes, a slight swift 45 degree twist, as you call it, is preferable. And that's all in the wrist, incidentally. And if you pop another squat and watch how I implement the poke, jab, and twist to the fine green rind of this melon, you'll see the result. A gaping, gapping maw of a dastardly death hole. It's all in the technique, boys. Look. If I hold the base this stock this away, and as I jab, I, f- I flick my wrist this away, you're going to get that action. You're going to open up a mansion of many apartments in the flesh and blood of your unlucky opponent. Now, will he die either way? He will, he will, but the twist is, what's your name, son? Good all, sir. As good all here brought into the picture, part and parcel of the big picture, why hell? Everybody up and get your space, and let's do ten quick thrusts and jabs and add on that twist. Now, remember... You want your musket balanced at your trunk, and you want your legs and thighs really working in a balanced fashion. You want your base to be balanced, and this is all coming from your core, boys, from your core, and your biceps, pectorals, forearms, and wrists. Keep your head steady and your chins up. Eyes on the prize. Locate your target. Grim face determination. Thrusting from hip level, but on an up azimuth toward your opponent's chest. Upswing, upswing. You want that idea to come to fruition, boys, of lifting them up off the ground. And thrust, and thrust, and thrust. Good, good. Thrust and twist. It's all in the technique, boys. Let's give it a rest for now. Stand down at ease. You know I've been in this here army for nigh on 22 years. Did my share of killing. Drank a lot of hard water, boys. You can see my multitude of scars. But even as a child, and I was a fractious, potascular lad, even as a child, that phrase from the Beatitudes, there is no human solution resonated with me. Do you think God's in everything we do? That's a good question, Aintree. I've wondered the same thing. Pop a squat, boys. Uncork your canteens and sip of your nectar. That question has haunted me, Aintree. Or is God... Only part of the equation when we ask him to be, or another way of looking at it, are we worthy of his constant attention? 
And how does that work, this idea of omniscience, right, Aintree? Yes, sir. This idea that God is all-seeing and all-knowing, the grand puppeteer as is commonly bandied about. Can he or she or it see everything? Can he or she or it know everything? Are we as humans always trying to patch together a solution whilst neglecting that most basic of godly scriptures, that there is no human solution? Then why do we fight then? What's that? Then why do we fight then? Oh, well, good all, that's a fair question. You're saying, why not just lay down our guns and go? Yes, sir. But what then of the slaughter, impending slaughter at the hands of the yipping, yapping, stripping, strapping rebel Philistines who would run us through? Be that as it may, sir. Are you a pacifist, good all? Um, well, a realist, more like it, sir. Ah, I see a true-blooded pontificator of life, love, and liberty. Look, son, if you don't jibe with my vibe, then you can walk across those enemy lines and turn yourself over to the powers that be and see what creature comforts await your slowly decomposing carcass on the other side. I'm not saying that, sir, and I, I didn't mean to offend you. It's just that it's just that if, as you say, there is no human solution and we believe that, then, then why do we fight? Why do we do anything, eh, good all? Why do we get up in the morning? What is our responsibility as humans? What is the meaning of happiness? Is there such a thing as happiness? Why do good people suffer? And how is that linked to love? Why is imagination more important than knowledge? Why is imagination more important than knowledge, good all? Um... Who, what, when, where, why, how, reverie of all reveries, please help me explain the delectable moment of still points in history, personal and universal. Fine calico clatter of cats, gleaming raindrops on the gleaming street, a happy goodbye song. Sir? Let's unhinge them lopes and eat the last of the summer melon, boys. We got to keep our powder dry and our bellies copacetic. Good all? I'm sorry I snapped at you. Your point is well taken, and God bless you, son, for having opened up a can of proper whoop-ass questions about this festival we call life. I love all of you like sons, and I'd lay my life down for you, literally, regardless of my latest tirade. Uh, it wasn't really a tirade, sir. No, I suppose it wasn't, Seat, but sometimes it feels like one. This is damn good melon. See? Pay the ragged mountain farmer handsomely for it. Will do, sir. Child is the father of man. Was that worth words you said that? Coleridge? Wordsworth? Don't rightly know, sir. Well, whoever said it was a gosh darn genius seat. Agreed, sir. Will we love? Will we lie? Regardless, we must try to be kind to one another. Before we die, we wonder why. Who am I? Where am I? Where did I go? Where will I go? Who was that person I met only briefly? How might they change my life? Where will they go? What will they do? No regrets. No regrets. By God, man, this melon is delectable. Must be the last of it. Most probably, sir. Is everything, I mean everything, connected? Very quite possibly, sir. That's what I think, too. Hey, shoo! Bless you, sir. Bless me, we, and every last tree. Right, man, let's recommence our training. The God's honest truth is, each and every last pissant of us has to come to our own terms with life, death, and the in-between. It is my job to wet your whistles with a draft of hard water. 
The sooner you sip it, the sooner you'll see that nothing in life is free.